Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Privilege to be in the house of the Lord for the blessing to have worshipped you and adored you and expressed our thanks and our gratefulness for who you are in our lives. Lord, this peace that surpasses beyond all understanding. We don't understand how in your presence there's a joy, there's a fullness of pleasure, there's a satisfaction. We pray, Lord, that we would continue to inherit your kingdom and that you would lead us to all righteousness, that you would lead us to all that you have laid up for us, Lord, that we would not be lost, that we would not fail with direction, that you would answer our questions, answer the longing of our hearts, and be that rock that is higher than high. Father God, a rock that is immovable, unshakable, in these times that the, the winds of change are blowing hard, Father God, there is a people that have founded their lives upon the rock, and we are becoming part of an unshakable kingdom. We pray, Lord, that you would give us wisdom this morning so that we might know what your heart is, what your desire is, and that you continue to bless us in your presence and instruct us in your ways. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Aside from having grown up in a culture where we think that blessing is just a rub of a lamp and a genie comes out and we demand our ways, um, if we are true to ourselves, and I, at the age of 21, had come to the conclusion that since I had done everything I wanted for a long period of time, um, I was full of myself, uh, and I was tired of doing things my way. I remember at the time uh, that I was going to choose my first vehicle Because the first vehicle your parents give you or they help you buy, but the second one you choose. And I chose a Mustang GT 5.0 sports car, and I said, that's the one I want. Well, six months into that experience, I didn't want that car anymore uh, because of all the troubles that came along with it. And so I started um, asking the Lord, Lord, I'm fed up with myself and what I want doesn't make me happy. And when I choose something, it's not what I thought it to be. Will you begin to teach me what you want for me and then I'll be happy? Um, and so I even began to pray. I think our, my first prayer was, Lord, I want a woman, the one you have for me and not the one I like or the one I want for me. And I thank God that was my prayer and it was answered. Uh, God has got way surpassed my, my longings for what I needed with respect to a wife in Yvette. And I thank the Lord for her life. And, and so I began to pray like that in every area of my life. Lord, no longer what I want. Not my will be done, yours be done. And so he began to lead me in the way I should go. And one of the concepts in the kingdom is that you not lead yourself. One of the concepts in the kingdom is that you have an open heart to be led by the Lord. And the Bible says that he leads us, if we read Psalm uh, 23, it's one of the most read Psalms in the world, and it talks about a shepherd that will lead us in the direction we should go. And, And these are the Psalms that are written at the most difficult times of a man's life. 
And it goes something to the effect of, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And, and that is a good thing. If you ever get to the place where you wipe out that last word, wanting, that is the extreme level of satisfaction and joy. When it's no longer you that wills, but it's God who wills in you. And when you let him direct you, the next verse says, he leads you and makes you to lie down at green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. Everybody loves this psalm, and it's particularly the role of letting the Lord, say with me, lead you. And that's a very difficult thing for many people. It says, he leads me beside still waters. The next verse says, he restores my soul. How does he do that? By leading me in paths of righteousness. I don't know if you're letting the Lord lead you. And in that direction that we allow the Lord to lead us, we're going to gain incredible uh, insight and increase in the manner in which we allow ourselves to be led. And to not allow yourself to be led you're going to be lost. You're going to arrive at a dead end. You're going to arrive at your worst nightmare. You would have said, why am I experiencing this total despair and lack of hope? And it's only because of one reason. It's because you didn't follow. And we talked about this on Wednesday night. If you weren't here, you should get a copy of that teaching there's only two groups of people upon the world, those who follow God and those who forsake God, those who decide I'm not following. And so you're going to be in one of those two categories uh, and you can split it like you may. Um, God wants you to be a follower of him and he created us in this manner. He wants to lead us to a life that is huge, abundant. I have come that you might have life and experience it at abundant levels. Well, we, we are hard-headed. Uh, we are, uh, the Bible says we've all gone our own way and we have forsaken following the Lord. Um, the church should be a gathering of those that follow God. It's horrible to come in this place when you're not following God because every statement that is said, you're disagreeing with it. And you're getting all these bullets while the person next to you that wants to follow God is going, Ay, que rico. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're so awesome. And it's, it's this, uh, there's that dichotomy. There's a, a split. Uh, this house are for those that are following the Lord, that want to be led by the Lord, that delight going to green pastures and besides still waters. And so this is not the atmosphere for those that will... Um, will be assaulted and offended and, and feel that they're enslaved. No, no, this is a place for bond servants, those who have decided, I am his servant. He is my master. And so in that regards, um, this day is a day for us to understand that God desires to raise up world-changing leaders. And every single person drawn by God to the house of God is so that they might be formed and raised up to be leaders. And this leadership quality 
is that we're following the Lord. He has led us. And by the fact that he has led us, we are now qualified to lead those that are coming behind us and invite them and say, come on, I'm going to show you the way to go. I'm going to show you the way to peace. I'm going to show you how to, how to have a great marriage, how to put your family back together. I'm going to teach you how to raise your children. I'm going to teach you what, what in life has true priority and what has value. And so um, in the Bible it says more than, than gold and silver, a virtuous woman is, is to be esteemed highly. So while you're putting your money in the bank, you're missing out on investing in your wife, who's going to be your greatest source of return if you were a wise man. If you're a fool, you have no, no appetite for wisdom. But let's start out with this aspect. There has never been a time when God has left his people without order. God is not a God of confusion. The absence of order is confusion. When things are all a mess, you know there's no order there. And it could be in the area of your finances. It could be in the area of your family. It could be in the area of your business. All sorts of matters. In your ministry, you're confused. And it's all because there's no order. And God is a God of order. If you read with me in 1 Corinthians 14, 33... It says that God is the God of peace. You cannot have peace in disorder. You cannot have peace. Uh, the level of stress and anxiety in this world now, the level of uncertainty and worry, the anxiety creates, um, is a result of no order. But God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. So instead of confusion, all you need to do is start following God. And He wants to lead you. And when you become a follower of God, the evidence is in the peace in your heart, the peace in your, in your countenance, the peace in your marriage, the peace you enjoy with your children. And, and I don't know what you're looking for, but this world is out of order and it's unstable. And... God would like you to follow him so that you might inherit peace. Ecclesiastes 10, 17, it says, Happy are you, land, when your king is of noble birth and character. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth. This is the hallmark of leadership. What you do in the house of God, it's great that you would like the the, the messages, the sermons, or you get some insight, some knowledge. But more important, in the house of God, your character is being transformed. And that's what makes you a leader. It's the character of man that allows him to lead. And when a man of character is leading, happy are those that are under his leadership. Now, God leads us. And God wants us to lead our families and the nations. And our leadership is to lead them to a good place. If they follow our footsteps, if they follow our lead, they shall inherit blessing and stability. And it all starts with character. And a man that has weary character or unstable character or ungodly character produces disorder 
and it steals from our peace. It, it deprives us of having a peaceful relationship. Proverbs 29, verse 4, not only is there a blessing to be under leadership that has godly character, but it says that a righteous king gives stability to those who he leads. How would you like to live in a house where the husband says, I'm with you today, I'm not with you tomorrow. I might stick around around the summer months, but I'm not going to be here in the fall. In December, you could count on me maybe not being here. You know what that produces? Total anguish because of the instability and the lack of character in this person. And so it's seen here that stability is derived by good leadership. And how are we going to be good leaders if we allow God to teach us how to become leaders? We will have more stability in our lives. 29 verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no revelation, when things are not revealed, the people are cast off restraint. But he who keeps the law is blessed. And what is this talking about if we were, we were to read the New Living Translation? It says like this, people who do not accept divine guidance will run wild. If you're not going to keep the law of order, you just go anywhere. The casting off of her strength is having a car with no brakes. And so here it is again, the people without vision perish. The people who aren't receiving divine guidance, they'll run wild. I want to tell you before we continue that to not follow God as leader is a curse. To not follow his laws is a curse. To not follow his ways is to end up destroyed. When it says that a people without vision are perishing, this is not a good thing. Um, this is not good. Leadership is supposed to give us life, to give us abundance, to make us fruitful, not to lose. That's why whoever obeys the law is joyful. Whoever, going back to uh, Proverbs 29, 18, it's those that are allowing themselves to be led are fortunate. He who keeps the law of God, he who keeps the order established by the Lord is a happy, fortunate, and worthy to be envied person. Um, as we continue to see the, the blessings of leadership is Happiness when you're being led by a man of noble character. Stability in a nation that allows themselves to be led in righteousness. Uh, those who do not accept divine guidance will run wild. Again, if you're not letting somebody bring you into order, it's because you are desiring to be out of order. And that's a horrible thing. But look what it says in Proverbs 11:14, Because God wants us not only to understand these things, He wants us to, us to live in them and let it be our reality. Where there is no wise leadership, the people fail. Where people are not given wise guidance, they don't prosper. Things don't turn out right. It's not good that you should disobey and not let yourself be led. It's not good that you think that you are right in your own opinion. 
that you have assessed things in your own scrutiny? No. Wise, no wise guidance brings a nation to fall. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. But in a place where there are many counselors, there is safety. So these are all basic principles of the Word of God that God desires us to prevail, to prosper, for things to come out right, for us to receive the right outcome of wherever we're headed and whatever's going out on our life. Um, he had long said that a kingdom that is not united will fail. Chaos, confusion, a house divided amongst itself will not prevail. The absence of order is being confused. I love Proverbs 13.10. Pride, which is the devil's character, brings a lot of argument. The only time you stand up to not listen to advice is when you think you know more than the person advising you. So you will lift up in pride the devil's heart. I know all things. I, I can do all things. I don't need anybody to follow me. Pride brings argument. But wisdom is found on following advice. And if you haven't understood it by now, if God has given you godly leadership, you're privileged and highly blessed. God leads us to triumph. He leads us beside still waters. He leads us to green pastures. He leads us into the way of righteousness. All these things are things that God is committed to doing. Now, I just want to ask a question. Um, are you committed to following God? No, because I have a different opinion. I've come to a different conclusion. And wisdom is found on those who have the capacity to take advice. There's only one thing that is bred when there is no godly leadership. And we saw this a little bit on Wednesday in Judges chapter 17, verse 6. In those days, Israel had no leader... So everyone did as they pleased. It's Judges 17.6. I often say Joshua. Judges 17.6. In those days, Israel had no leader, had no king. So everyone did as they pleased, as they saw fit. Imagine a place, imagine your home. You're doing whatever you want. Your wife does whatever she wants. Your kids do whatever they want. Imagine your business, your place of business, where everybody does as they please because there is no boss, there's no leader, there's no, no one leading the troops, so everybody is moving in their own direction. And that is a curse. Proverbs 12, 15 says like this, this is the way of a fool, doing what's right in your own eyes. The way of a fool is he who is doing what he thinks is right only to himself. But a wise man, a follower, is seeking advice. Now, I don't know about you, but this has been the case 
in my pastorate for the last 14 years. People who come to seek advice to want to hear a stamp of approval on what they think. Your wife says, honey, you're the man of the house. You are the one that God has divinely appointed as the leader of the home. This is what's going on. What do you think? Well, I don't think you should do that, whatever. Well, I don't agree with you. Why do I even come to you in the first place? Uh, because you're seeking God's heart. You're seeking to know what is a profitable and prosperous outcome to your concern. Why would you come to a pastor to want to hear what you think? Why would you come to church to want to impose in the church what you did with your family out in the world that destroyed it? Now you're making everybody in church walk in your own steadfast pride. That doesn't make sense to me, but it's the way of a fool. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but the way of God is listening to advice. You say, what are the consequences of not listening to God? If in Judges 17, verse 6, Judges 17, 6, it says, In those days Israel had no leader. Everyone did what they saw fit in their own eyes. They walked in the way of a fool. They walked very foolish. Uh, chapter 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21 of these books, saying that Israel did as they saw fit, were the most horrendous of times for Israel. There was more violence. There was more murder. There was more homosexuality. There was more rape than in all the history of the people of Israel when everybody was doing what they thought was right in their own ways. So the consequences of turning from wisdom and sound advice and, and developing leadership is that all hell breaks loose. And even amongst the own people of Israel, there was 12 tribes, even one whole tribe was lost. One whole tribe was lost in Israel because everybody was doing what they wanted. And I don't know about you, as I, as I see this as a, a small Israel, the church, I would hate for us to lose a family. I don't know about you. I know some of you don't have that understanding, but um, as we lose families in the church, to me is a huge loss. And it's the direct result of a people, everyone doing as they please. And so it's, it's not a good thing, and it's, it's something that God is going to hold us accountable to. But the levels of disorder and violence during that time that everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes was far surpassed anything that God had planned for his people. In Judges 21-25, it goes again and says, in those days, this is a couple chapters down the road, in those days Israel had no leader, everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone did what they thought. They didn't ask. There's a greater inheritance in asking. There's a greater wisdom and a greater prosperity in coming within God's design and within his divine appointment, his divine resources. But everyone was doing what was right in his own eyes, the way of a fool. And people were shocked at the level of disorder and violence in chapter 19, verse 30. And this is... This is as they observed the consequences of doing their own thing. They said, everyone who saw what was going on said, these things we hadn't even seen since the days we had come out of Egypt. 
Think about it. Consider it. Tell us what to do. We have gone, <clears throat> excuse me, and this is sad that it would happen in church. We are experiencing things we didn't even experience when we were under the devil's government. you imagine a Christian saying that? What is going on? Why don't I have the inheritance of those who follow God? Because you're not following God. You're in the church, but you're doing what you want. You've never come within the counsel of God. You have never let yourself be led. If you don't let yourself be led, trust me, you're never going to be a leader. You're never going to be a leader. A leader is able to become a leader because he follows well. And your capacity to follow well qualifies you to lead well. And we see these examples in the life of Joshua. He was Moses' right-hand man for a long time. When Moses died, who do you think God would pick as a leader? Joshua. Because he was walking in the footsteps of the leader God had placed. And being faithful to the leadership of God made him qualified to be able to lead. And so... I want to say it again, you that are in the house of God this morning, you are not called to be a spectator. You're not here just to listen to a couple of good messages and continue on with your life. The church must be a training ground for world-changing leaders. People that know that they know that they know the way of God. And we would be, we would be total nimwits. Totally foolish if we came to the house of God and did not allow God to transform our character to be leaders in this world. And these people were in shock at the level of violence that they said we hadn't even seen these things since we were back in the world. Well, have you not heard that Jesus says that you will go back to getting seven times worse? Have you heard that? He comes into your life, he clears up the house, he removes the demons, and then if you do not fill the order of God and the way of God, seven demons worse than the one you had. And, and some Christians don't believe me. I've had families in this church and we said, listen, you're departing from the direction the Lord wants you to go. Yeah, but we've been Christians for 35 years. It doesn't matter. But we've been amongst the highest levels of leadership. It doesn't matter. Today they're divorced. Today they've lost their families. Today they're not walking in the blessings of God. And they've been Christians for 35 years. But that one day came that they started doing what was right in their own eyes. They started despising the counsel of the Lord. They started saying, we don't need your leadership. We don't need the direction you're speaking to us in. And so in all these ways, we don't want to find ourselves having come to the Lord and ending up seven times worse than when we first got here. Because Jesus promised that that would be the case. And the question they would ask in this whole scenario in Judges 21.3, they cried out saying, why has this happened to Israel? Why should we be missing one tribe? Why did we lose a family? Why did we lose a whole generation of God's people? I want to tell you why. Because everyone was doing what they wanted to do. God has supplied the blessing of godly leadership. God has supplied the benefits of having a leader that would direct you in the right direction. I had one man come to my office and he tried all he could to convince me that he could leave his wife and leave with another woman. 
I said, if that's what you want to do, go to another church and have some other pastor tell you, thumbs up, buddy, just keep on coming and keep bringing your money here and bring five wives. Everything's okay. But in this house, we refuse to give the counsel that's not the counsel of the Lord, to lead to that which is contrary to the Spirit of God. You're, you're not entitled to call yourself a Christian until you decide to follow Christ. Don't call yourself a Christian if you're not following Christ. Call yourself something else. Do us all a favor. Say you're Muslim or something. But God has been blessing us by giving us godly leadership. I'm telling you, what we have in our youth group as godly leaders, to me, is, is really powerful faithfulness of God. We couldn't even be able to pay for that. If we decided to put an ad in the paper and ask youth leaders to come, we would never be able to get the youth leaders we have. And yet the man has to put off a 60-hour work week and come and lead because people won't pay their tithes. People won't bring their portion of the Lord to the house of the Lord to be led by godly people. So they're dead tired. Uh, sometimes Jenny and Kenny call me and they say, you know something, we are about to give up this leadership because we're exhausted. We're exhausted. And I pray that they continue being encouraged in the Lord and, and this week has been an encouraging time for them. A leader will determine your inheritance. The, the one you follow determines where you're headed. That's why the Bible says, do not be led by a fool lest you be destroyed. A foolish man will lead you to cheat on your wife. A foolish man, woman will lead you to cheat on your husband. If you're following that type of advice, you're, you're true to miss out on great inheritance. And I was just meditating on this since last week. And I was saying the proportions are against us at this, at this level. Ten leaders that were sent into the promised land came back with an evil report. And their report was able to strip Six million people from their promised land inheritance. Ten bad leaders made six million people perish in the desert. That to me is incredible odds. Why? Because these so-called leaders led a rebellion. They led in unbelief. They led in fear. And they led in disobedience. Just like the Lord wants to raise up a generation of leaders leading people to righteousness and to prosperity and to blessing, the devil makes sure he, he lifts up his leaders. Those that have a voice above the voice and counsel of God are bad leaders. And they'll lead you far from where God has you to go. Now here's the concept that sometimes happens and it's happened to me in the past. Sometimes the force of the people is so great wanting you to lead them in the wrong direction that sometimes, um, like I was talking with Craig Hill, a friend of mine who's a pastor, he says, well, Joaquin, when I was a pastor, sometimes I thought I was leading an insane asylum. I thought I was leading crazy house. And sometimes the fierce battle of leading takes us to sometimes say, you know something, I'm, I'm going to let them do what they want. I'm going to let them continue on in their rebellion. Because you go so far trying to stop them 
destroying themselves. It grows so tiring. It's such a, a, a daunting task to try and lead rebellious, disobedient, fearful, unbelieving people that sometimes we, we allow that to affect us a little bit. And, and in the past, it's happened to me. And I stood up and I said, listen, uh, I'm not leading in this direction anymore. I can't, I can't call myself a leader and lead everyone onto an ambush. The devil has an ambush there, and I'm letting them lead in that direction. So you know something? Uh, you turn, and we're going the other way. We're going the other way. And some people at that U-turn fell off, and they fell off the boat. But the captain needed to turn the boat lest we perish like the Titanic in our pride. And this is unsinkable, and I'll never have a problem. Guess what? You're headed for doomsday, buddy. You're headed for a time you wish you weren't going to be alive. And sometimes in the life of David, his leadership brought him uh, levels of conflict. And my leadership has brought me my share of conflict. Just recently, I kicked out a young person from the church. They were in here in the church during the service. And I know them to be rebellious and disobedient and dishonoring. And I, I went up to them and said, do, do me a favor, get out of this place. And they were in shock and they left. Well, half hour later, another young man came in, another rebel, disobedient. And I was about to go up and I said, two in one day would be too much. I can't do this. So I left him here. And sure enough, he went over to one of our young girls in the college group and says, you should leave the church because this is a pig. The guy came, he was a wolf. And I, I couldn't exercise my leadership, checking on myself of whether or not, you know, to be too intense or not too intense. So sometimes in this leadership capacity, it's a challenge to do what God wants or to do what the people want. And I'm reminded in 1 Samuel 21, 13, when, when David is sitting there, and look what the king of Israel, reading 1 Samuel 21, 13, not Judges. First Samuel 21, 13. We see here in the life of David that he begins to drool on himself and act crazy. 1 Samuel 21, 13. He changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane. He acted crazy. While he was there before them, he acted like a madman he was sitting there scribbling on the doors of the gates and let saliva run down his beard. And some people would rather have a leader like that. That's what you want as a leader. You want a, a, a madman, insane, yeah, go out with an unbeliever, everything's going to be okay, maybe he'll get saved. Yeah, that's great. You know, something I, I think is great. I think it's great that you should rebel against all counsel and do what you want and think you're going to have a good, peaceful time about it. And so it becomes a curse twofold. Number one, for you not to have a leader. Number two, for you not to follow your leader. Number three, to have your leader follow you. Have you done that with your children? You let them parent your house? You let them decide who they hang out with, who they don't hang out with? Oh, Dad, there's no problem. Everything's going to be okay. He goes out to a party, 
He gets accused of raping a girl and he's sent to jail for the rest of his life because you couldn't be a parent. You couldn't stand up to say no because you allowed your child to decide and discern what he was to do or not do. So leadership is a capacity. Yeah, I'm talking about huge. I'm talking it from my vantage point, but you have been called to lead your home. And so all the more you need to learn what a leader is, what a leader does, the stability he brings, the wisdom with which with which he follows through. But here David in his leadership had to act like he was crazy. And from time to time I do so. From time to time. But something inside of me doesn't allow me to go in that direction. I like to call an ace an ace. A jack a jack. A fool a fool. I love to. So that it would be established amongst the people how horrible it is when we do not follow the leader. Where there is a leader, there are benefits of having a leader. You name me the leader you're following, and I will talk to you about the benefits that will rise up as you allow him to lead. As I see the leaders in the Bible, Noah led his family to the ark. Abraham led his family to a land that prospered. Moses led the people out of deliverance. Joseph led in Egypt with provision. David led Israel to have the most incredible time of prosperity that Israel had ever experienced. And Jesus has been the leader of our eternal salvation for all those that obey and follow. He's there as a glorious leader, but only to the benefit of those who obey and follow. The examples of becoming great men of God to lead the benefit of our families, our church, our nations. If you cannot lead your family, you cannot lead in the church. You will never be able to lead a nation. The sons of God fill the earth. It will be a time of blessing because they will lead everyone to follow the laws of God that are established and enforced. The absence of law and order is chaos and violence. That word violence comes from violating violating violence is the violation of order it's the violation of laws the move of god requires us to raise up leaders i can't wait to raise up world-changing leaders i can't wait to have a session of those that say pastor i want you to prepare me to lead i want you to start speaking into my life and prepare me as a leader and that's what we're called to do in the house of god to reduce instability, confusion, darkness, violence, chaos, to usher in peace. The principles learned as leaders, to be respected as a leader, you must be a man of character. I'm reminded of Moses coming out of the promised land with all these people only to have, he says, you know, Aaron, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I'm going to go talk with God, spend some time in the presence of God. And when he comes back in Exodus chapter 32, verse 22, Moses tells him, what the heck are you doing? He says, don't be angry at me. You know these people. They don't listen to anybody. Aaron was left for a moment. And, and the, the, the order twisted where now the the people were telling him, you're going to listen to us, buddy. And so he tells Moses, don't blame me. 
What they're doing has nothing to do with what I've told them. You know how these people are disposed to doing that which is wrong? Verse 23. For they said to me, who said? Who said? Those that were following said to you, make us a God who will go before us. As for this fella, whoever put him there, right? Who is this guy? This pastor think he is? Oh, nobody. I don't know. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Oh, you're demon-possessed. You're this, you're that. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we came out of the world following this guy. We don't know what happened to him now. They're so disconnected with the heart of Moses. When they got their opportunity to get their next leader, they started telling their next leader what they would do. And they got their stamp of approval. And a golden calf was born. And with that golden calf came the disorder of an orgy. He says, I don't know what was going on. They said, make us a God. We wanted to have our own God and tell him what to do. Chapter 23, verse 25. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained. Exodus 32, 25. Sorry about that. You guys swapped 23 there. Moses saw that the people were running wild. Why? Each one was doing their own thing. They they had chosen the path of a fool again. And that Aaron had let them get out of control. And so uh, they became the laughing stock of their enemies. What makes us a peculiar people is that we believe that God has established all leaders. And if we follow the leader, we're following God. And if we're listening to the laws of God, we're getting what God wants for our lives. But when he saw that all the people had gone wild, and they had left their order, and they're walking each one in their own ways, and they were becoming shameful, a mockery to those that said that they were Christians. And and I'm telling you that, that... I don't want to be identified. Last year, I asked the whole family to leave the church because I said, I don't want your children to think that I'm their pastor. Your children think that I'm actually your pastor and you're listening to me. You're not listening to me. I'm not your pastor. And I've asked you to leave the church so that your children won't think that you're the product of following godly advice. So until six months passed and they said, we want, we love you, we need you, we want to be back in the church, is that they were allowed to come back into the church. What for? To follow godly advice. To have a heart to listen to men and women of God. Because we, we have a huge task already trying to encourage those that want to to find ourselves having to obligate those who don't. Forcefully, that's how... Uh, Jesus says, that's not our leadership. We're not going to force anybody to do anything. They should want the counsel of God. They should desire to have somebody speak into their life. But it says in Deuteronomy 13, 12, be careful. As you go into these cities that I have appointed to you, be careful that when you get there and you're walking in the road, if you hear it said about one of the towns that the Lord God has given you to live in, if when you go into that town, verse 13, look what happens. There are wicked men there that rise up and they want to lead you 
away from where you're at. Again, the leadership style of some people that are subverting leadership under the leadership, I never understand. Wicked men have risen to lead you out and say, let's go on our own path. Let's go worship other gods, gods you not have known. Uh, we've been in this church for 14 years. We have a pretty much standard way of worship and leading and following God. And then when I look back, I see somebody over there doing something that we never told them to do. We never asked them to do it. And I'm like, where did you get that idea? Where, where did that come up from? Well, somebody told me that, listen, you're to follow the leader. We, we give good, healthy carrots up front. You're not to be giving junk food in the back. We're giving some solid advice. You're not to corrupt it back there doing your own thing. But there will always be that type of, of aspect. As I'm reading um, Judges chapter 9, there is a guy named Abimelech. Abimelech uh, kills 70 of the leaders of his home. You imagine going into the place and killing off 70 people, telling them in Judges 9 verse 2, ask the people, would they rather be led by one man or by 70? This guy was going to replace the opinion of 70 men. The Bible says a fool in his own opinion is wiser than seven counselors. Have you, you know people like that? You have 100 people saying that's not the way you should go and they said that's the way I'm going. That's the way I'm going. Yeah, but a hundred people have told you no, but that's the way I'm going. That's the way I'm going. That's the fool. Wiser than seven counselors. And he says, ask the city, the citizens of Shechem, what is better, to have 70 counselors or have one person tell them what to do? Remember, I'm related to you. Remember, I'm here for you. And so this guy goes off and he kills 70 people. He kills 70 leaders. And look what it says in verse 4. When they had hired him and gave him 70 silvers from the temple, that's influence, they gave him some, some grounds, he went and hired reckless adventurers who became his followers. Unscrupulous men, men who had no counsel, are, are now hired you know, you, you know you're not a leader when you have to hire people to follow you. He had to pay people off for them to follow him. But one of the brothers escaped. In verse, um, in verse 7, when Jotam heard about what this man was doing, he climbed to the height of the trees, to the mountain, and shouted to them, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem, so that God may listen to you. See if it's okay that you have killed off 70 of your brethren and placed one person to rebel against God's order. And then you decide whether or not your future is going to be a bright future. Obviously it wasn't and they all got destroyed. In 1 Samuel 2.12, we have the sons of Eli. They, they raised all their years under Eli, who was the high priest. And the Bible says that even during all this time, as sons of the high priest... They were wicked men because they had no respect for God. Can you be a leader under a leader with no respect for God? Of course. And so immediately the judgment of God came upon these young men, the sons of Eli, and, and there, was, there was no capacity to lead. In 2 Samuel 20, verse 1, it happened that there was an unscrupulous scoundrel named Sheba. 
son of Betri, a Benjamite. We're reading 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21. 20, verse 1. It says, It happened to be that as he came into this town, there was a troublemaker. Sheba, son of Betri, a Benjamite, happened to be there, and he sounded the, the trumpet and shouted, We don't care about David! We have no part in following him! Every man go home! That's, that's an amazing leadership style. Let's not walk in this wisdom. Let's not walk. So, verse 2 says, All the men of Israel withdrew from David and followed after this troublemaker. But the men of Judah stayed by their king all the way from Jordan to Jerusalem. You know that the, the establishment leadership of David was a time of incredible abundance and prosperity. And so this is what God wants to do in our time. He wants to raise up leaders and I'm committed to following the heart of God. Uh, the instability, the chaos, the confusion, the lack of order in this world only tells me we have a lot of work to do. And those that allow themselves to be led and instructed and follow the way of wisdom are going to be a people of praise. They're going to be a people that will inherit all the promises and blessings of God. And, and I'm committed to that, knowing the heart of God is to raise up leaders. When Jesus started uh, choosing who would be part of his circle of leaders, he chose 12, and one was even, the Bible says, a devil. He was a traitor. He was disloyal. He had his own opinion. He had his own agenda. He had his own plan, Judas. Even the 12 or the 11 that remained when Jesus was crucified and died, they all went back fishing. That, that is a semblance of giving up, of quitting, of not leading. But having been reassured and reaffirmed in their leadership, these 12 men who allowed themselves to be led and became leaders changed the history of the world. And you and I are here today because God was able to raise up men like Paul and men that, like Timothy that were able to lead and let themselves be taught to lead. As I read 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he's given the instructions. We could start in verse 1. 1 Timothy 2, 1. No, 2 Timothy 2, 1. I'm sorry. 2 Timothy 2.1, he says, you're to be strong in the grace that Christ gives you and that substance of God. What for? Verse 2. That the things you heard me say in the presence of many who were there, that you could take these things and give them and entrust them to faithful men who will be able to lead other men, who will be able to qualify and lead others. And so... I'm only telling you, and, and I've seen this happen here at this church, I give thanks for the time we met people like Joey and Suleika. They allow themselves to be led. They've established their leadership in, in the example they've given. And now they, sat, sit, they sit as an example to be able to qualify to lead others. Uh, the same thing with Ginny and Kenny and, 
and with those that, that have been honorable to God to allow themselves to be taught the way of the Lord. Unfortunately, there are people in our midst that do not let anyone lead them. They're rebellious donkeys. Doesn't matter how much you try and lead them into a good path, they kick against the goads. And, and, and Paul was told that by the Lord. It's a hard thing to kick against the goads. The goads were these sticks that, that provided leadership to the cow that was plowing. It was very sharp, very sharp stick, and it had a point on it, and it would direct the direction that the person was to go, the ox. And sometimes people were rebellious, and they just kick at that thing and just hurt themselves. They, they don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be given direction, and they're hurting themselves. And God didn't want to, for them to hurt. Instead of some people have decided, can you please take that stick off my life? And we take it off. And you know what happens? They say, I'm free. You're not free. You're bound. You're headed for destruction. You're not useful in the master's hands. The plans God has for you are no longer going to come fruition. It's not going to come about because you did not love those people God put in your life. So be strong in the grace. And that which you've been entrusted, you entrust to other faithful people and pass it down so that we have uh, the benefits of the leadership God wants for us. Stability, prosperity, uh, peace, joy. Those are the things that God has set up for us if we have a capacity to receive the instruction. Well, guess what? In 1 Timothy 4.3, let me see if this is it or if it's, no, it's 2 Timothy 4.3. Sorry about that. In 2 Timothy 4.3, it says the time will come where men will not be able to put up with sound wisdom. I don't want to hear anything sound. So therefore, they will gather up for themselves a great number of teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. That's, that's the times we're living in. People that would prefer to go to a place where the leadership does what they say and not what God says. So I want to encourage you uh, with these words. We are going to start working very uh, diligently in this area. I'm going to be asking some of you not to come back uh, and to find a nice little countryside church where you could go and sing some hymns on Sunday morning for a couple minutes and then you could disassociate yourself with the responsibility of the house of God. It's embarrassing that we have uh, teenagers with the responsibilities of the media department, the cameras, because the old guys say, no, because I, I have a, a lame back, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, that's not to be in this place. All the men, the able-bodied men in this place need to lead by example. Amen. Need to stand up and begin to do the right thing and say the right thing and live a life that speaks more than your words. Can we stand this morning and ask God for his grace to be upon us that we can continue this is no one ever promised us that it would be a rainbow to follow christ if you see where he ended up on a cross that's where we're headed and the bible says you cannot be my disciple unless you take up your cross and you follow me and and god is lifting up uh, men and women that are willing to pay that price and i want i want to tell you your pastor's heart right now i want my children to see me surrounded by men and women of god I take no delight in having a meeting here. I'd rather downsize and go to a little place where there's five, 
10, 15 real men and women of God that will change the world than having a place of 150 when 90 are just a bunch of Peter Pans. That's not what we're developing here. We're not, we're not cultivating that character in this place. We never have. And while I would salivate and look like a crazy man and I would dribble and, and write like David did, act crazy, yeah, I'm, that's not me. That's not the Spirit of God. Father, we give you thanks this morning. Your Spirit is sufficient to transform all of us in this place to be vessels of honor, men and women worthy of the call of Christ, the Word of God that has been extended to us and the inheritance that's been given to our children, Lord, are for valiant, courageous, daring men who allow themselves to be led into battle and are fit and worthy to lead those that come behind them in footsteps of honor and courage. We pray that your peace would be upon every person who hears this message, that we would desire your government, we would desire your words, your laws, we would desire to establish our homes in righteousness so that we might experience the stability, the prosperity, the peace, and the protection that you offer those that come under your shadow. We give you thanks that you are our shepherd and you lead us to righteous ways, Lord. You lead us to green pastures. You lead us to a place, Lord, where we're able to experience your joy. We're able to experience the fulfillment of your call upon our children's life. You lead us into the path of victory. You lead us to triumph from glory to glory, from victory to victory, Lord. We give you thanks for the men that you have raised up in this house that have been able to offer a character of leadership, of integrity, to think the righteous things, the, to walk in the wisdom of the Lord, to receive the counsel of God. And we give you thanks for this inheritance that's so huge. And that once we were lost, but now we're found. Once we were blind, but now we see, Lord. Fill us with your spirit, O oh God. Prosper our families, our children, in the way they should go. Make us examples to them, Lord. Give us a heart for righteousness, a heart for the things of God. And give you thanks, Lord, for the promises you've laid up for us in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And the house of God says amen. God bless you.